This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. It says in uh, verse 6, verse 6 of our chapter, verse 6, to be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Israel. Verse 1 again, called from the womb with a calling reflected in his name. Jesus is going to save the Jewish people, his people, from their sins. Life work. Be God's servant. Bring Jacob back. Gather Israel back to him. And every time he heard his name, every time he heard his name, Jesus, he heard his name, Jesus, it reminded him, Jesus, oh yes, that's my name. My name is Jesus because my name is Jesus because I am to save my own Jewish people from their sins. He would think, should call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. My life work is to save my Jewish people from their sins. The great, it's a, it's, it's, it, and it's a great understatement to say that the Lord Jesus was discouraged over this. It's an understatement to say that the Lord Jesus was discouraged over not being able to fulfill his calling, his life work of saving his Jewish people from their sins. And as the Lord Jesus looked back on his life, of all that he did, and he's looking back on it and trying to save the Jewish people from their sins, all he saw was failure. I have failed. And he gives these heart-wrenching cries out in verse 4, heart-wrenching words. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength for naught and in vain. It says twice in that statement, the Lord Jesus uses the word vain. He looked at all of his work to save the Jewish people from their sins. And are the, are the Jewish people now saying we are, we, don't call us Jesus, Jewish people, call us Jesus people because we're all about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Is that what's happened? Not at all. He knew that. He saw that. Same today, same as it was then. He looks back and he said, vanity, emptiness. I've just wasted my time. Verse 4, I have labored in vain. I've wasted my time. I've wasted my work in trying to save the Jewish people from their sins. He was so discouraged 
He looked at his strength that he used to try, he, he used all of his strength up to try to save the Jewish people from their sins, and he says in verse 4, I spent my strength for nothing. In other words, he said, I've spent my strength for emptiness, zero. I have nothing to show for trying to save all the Jewish people from their sins. You ever felt like that? Maybe not trying to save the Jewish people from their sins, but you ever felt so discouraged? So discouraged like that? You ever felt like all of your efforts and strength has yielded nothing? He did. That's how he felt. That's one of the ways in which he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. That's how we should come to him. We have, we have a high priest who's been touched with the feeling of discouragement, extreme discouragement, because he knew, he knew, verse 6, his purpose in life, the Lord formed me from the womb to be a servant to bring Jacob again to him. He knew that he failed to bring Jacob back to God, and the feeling of failure was crushing, was crushing with him. He had the same failure that Isaiah expressed. Isaiah expressed the same failure in the 53rd chapter, Isaiah 53, verse 1. Isaiah 53, 1 is, a, is, a, is really a statement of failure. Who has believed our report? There's no one who believes this account of the suffering servants of the Lord Jesus for man's man sins. That's what he's saying. He said, nobody believes this. I've got it all so clear here. I've told it to them, but they don't believe it. And so Isaiah starts around, and he starts off the 53rd, Isaiah 53 with the word, who? Who already? Who? Where are they? Who has believed this report? And the Lord Jesus is so discouraged with the results of the outcome of, of his life work to bring the Jewish people back to God in the same way that Elijah was discouraged the prophet Elijah, with his life work, he said in 1 Kings 19.4, 19, 19, Elijah, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it's enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord. Verse 10, First uh, Kings 19.10, First Kings 19.10. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. So here we see Elijah. He started off his life's work also with the determination to bring Israel, the Jewish people, back to God. He knew that his fathers had tried and failed, and now he's come to a point where he says, I'm not better than my father's. In other words, I got the same score, zero. He failed. He was, uh, Elijah was 100% dedicated to throw himself into his life work of gathering Israel back to God. But he reached this point in his life when he looked at the results of his work, his life work, and he saw nothing. And his whole life was spent on regathering Israel, and he was a failure. And he said, he could have said the same words of the Lord Jesus in Isaiah 49.4, verse 4, Isaiah 49.4, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. All my life work has yielded nothing. I have spent all my strength for nothing. I have emptiness to show for all my life work. And Elijah was so discouraged, he wanted to die. And he said, Lord, just let me die. I can't stand this discouragement, the crushing, depressing feeling. I just want to leave the world. I'll run away back to the world. I've I failed. I don't want us to be here anymore. I'm a discouraged failure. And that's how the Lord Jesus felt when he said these words of uh, verse 4. Verse 4, I wasted all my time and my strength for nothing. 
I felt like that. I felt like that before. My life work is also to restore Israel to God. My life work is to see an Israel restoration. But I felt just discouraged in verse 4. Just as discouraged. And it's, you know the most discouraging thing that happens to me? When somebody comes up to me and says, how many people were saved from your mailing? How many people were saved from your mailing? How many people were saved from your work? What were the results of your work? You know, we've just, we're, as Ken said, 4.4 million is our goal. And so far we've gotten a million of the testimony books it's out there, changed, sent to the Jewish people. And the results are one. One Jewish woman saved. She was in her 90s. Glad she got saved before she died or else we wouldn't have one. All the work of writing and publishing and stuffing envelopes and mailing one million books and one person is saved. And we have not even confirmed her salvation because I don't want to find out because we might lose the one that we only got. And anyone who's worked in Jewish work, outreach, has felt the discouragement of verse 4. Because discouragement is sad, and discouragement is dark, and discouragement is depressing. And the question is, so what do you do? What do you do? What do you do when your life work has yielded nothing, when it has not yielded what you expected? What do you do when you look back on your goals and your results and you see failure? That's where the Lord was in verse 4 in Isaiah 49. Really, Isaiah 49, first part. That's where he was. And now we have the opportunity to see what he did when he felt his results that he had failed and wasted his life. Now we can learn from him, and it's the last part of verse 4 that shows us what he did when he said, the last part of verse 4, Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord, and my work is with my God. So, how does the Lord rise up out of the depths of discouragement? How does he get above the feeling of a crushing failure? It's all tied up in two words in verse 4. Judgment and work. Judgment and work. First judgment. In the first part of, verse, of that part in verse 4, the Lord said, first part of verse 4, he says, I've labored in vain, I've spent my strength for naught, and in vain. There's one word that the Lord uses as saying here, judgment. He's looking back over his life work, his life work to rescue the Jewish people from their sins, and he's judging, he is judging his work. He is judging his work as a failure. That's what he's doing. The Lord said was that, uh, in the first part of verse 4, he says, nothing, nothing, nothing. He said, that's a self-judgment. That's a self-judgment. His own judgment of his own work was failure. That leads to discouragement. What the Lord was doing there is judging himself uh, over his, the results of his work to, to, to save the Jewish people. And he could say, my judgment for my results is a failure. But when you and I get discouraged over lack of results from our work, we're in essence saying, my judgment from my results is with me. That's what he was saying in the first part. My judgment, zero, from my work is with me. I made it. That's the problem. That's the first problem that needs to be corrected to rise out of discouragement. This is where we see the Lord correcting his course to rise out of discouragement with one word, and it's the word surely. Surely. Full stop now. Surely. He's saying, no more. Enough. Stop, surely. This is the same as when the Lord Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's overwhelmed 
with a desire to have that cup removed from me. Don't make me drink that cup. I don't want to drink that cup. And he comes to the place where he says one word, which was the full stop enough when he says uh, in Luke 22, 42, Luke 22, 42, uh, saying, Father, if they be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, full stop, enough. Not my will, but thine be done. That's the word. Nevertheless, he says, that's enough of those feelings. No more. That's it. And in the same way, in verse 4, the word surely is like nevertheless. Surely. Here he's confronting his own self-judgment of his own life work, and he's saying, halt. That's enough of my own judgments, of my own personal failure. The Lord halts his own personal discouragement with the statement, surely my judgment is with the Lord. My judgment's not with me. My judgment is with the Lord. With those works, the Lord Jesus is saying, the judgment of my life work is not with me. I'm going to stop all this self-evaluation. I'm going to stop all this self-judgment of the results of my life work. And I'm going to leave my judgment with the Lord. My judgment of success or failure is with the Lord, not with me. So that's the first key to rising out of the depths of discouragement from a self-evaluation and a self-judgment. It's simply to be simply... Be faithful to the Lord, work faithfully, leave the evaluation for your work up to God. That's what he's doing. That's the way to rise out of the discouragement is to say the words of verse 4. Surely my judgment is with the Lord. Now the second word which the Lord Jesus spoke to rise out of the discouragement was work, work. My work with my God. In verse 4, the Lord didn't say my results are with my God. In verse 4, he said, my work is with my God. He didn't say my results are with my God. He said my work is with my God. In other words, the Lord was saying, the importance is not the results of my work. My focus is on my work and not my results. He was saying, I want to be a faithful workman, not a faithful result man, but a faithful workman, as Paul said in 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. A workman needs not to be ashamed. It's not focused on the results of the work. He's focused on the work that he's doing. In other words, the Lord rose out of his own personal discouragement by seeing that he was not required to work without, let me put it a different way. He was required to work without any consideration of the results. And that's the key to our rising out of discouragement from a feeling of failure because of lack of results. It's for us to say, the last part of that verse, verse 4, my work with my God, my work, work. There's, there may be a pastor, there may be a pastor who is very faithful to the Lord. He works diligently before the Lord, and that pastor may have only five people who come to his church every Sunday, just five. He has a congregation of five. And that faithful pastor, um, I'm not talking about myself, but that, that, you're more than five people. But um, I did go to a convention of pastors one time, and I sat down uh, to have lunch. There was a pastor there. And I said, uh, hi, were you a pastor? Oh, a pastor. And so we run about 2,000 every Sunday, he says. Oh, okay. So if that faithful pastor goes to a convention and he meets another pastor who tells him, oh, I run about 2,000 every Sunday, and that faithful pastor of five would become discouraged and say, he has 2,000 come to his church every Sunday, and I work very hard, and I only have five. I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength for naught, and in vain, he would be saying those words. 
verse four, the key to that faithful pastor of five to rise out of the discouragement is for him to say the end of verse four, my work is with my God. My results are with my, not my results are with my God, but my work is with my God. If God is pleased with my work, then that's all that counts. Even if there are all just five people in the congregation, if God is happy with my work, then I'm happy. Because the principle is God requires us to work without any consideration of our results. Now, why is it logical for us to work without any considerations of our results? Why is that logical? Well, one, because it's logical that God calls us to work without any consideration of results because God calls us to be obedient. He calls us to be, as the Lord Jesus said in John 15, 14. John 15, 14. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Ye do. That's obedience. John 13, 17. John 13, 17. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. If you do them. Not depressed are you. Not unhappy. Not discouraged. But happy are you if you do them. Do them. John 14, 21, John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Keepeth them. That's what he's calling to. Keepeth them, the commandments. And last, in the, the parable of the, the, the wise and foolish man that built their house, in Matthew 7, 24, Matthew 7, 24, therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, doeth them, the work. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. That's all the Lord requires of us. Obedience, not results. Work without consideration of results. So it's logical. Second reason, it's logical that God calls us to work without any consideration of results because the results take a long time to come. Some of the results take a long time to come. The best results are not seen for a long time. Just like when you plant seeds, you know, originally, anybody know what an arrow garden is? Oh, have I got a, something to sell you? <laughs> An arrow garden is really interesting. It's, it's an aqua, aqua culture, they call it. You know, when you grow things in water instead of soil. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so I got an arrow garden. And the, it comes with little seed pods, no soil, and you put them in there, and LED lights that practically blind you. And, uh, and, and so, uh, you know, you put the seed pods in there, and it's supposed to make you a lot of parsley and a lot of tomatoes and everything's supposed to just flow all over the place from this thing. And um, so I planted this thing, and every day I go out there and I look at them, and there's no sprouts. <laughs> no sprouts. I want to see the results right away. It's so discouraging for me every day to go look and see no sprouts, no sprouts, no sprouts. Things, things not working. Waste of money. Because the best results take a long time to come. They take a long time. That pastor of the five, he may never see in his lifetime the great things that will be done by those five persons because the best results take the long time to come. The great results from the work of the Lord came after the Lord died, was buried, and resurrected. Why? The best results take a long time to come, Acts 2.41, Acts 2.41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls after he left the best results take a long time to come. He never saw the 3,000 converted in, when he was here on earth and baptized in one day. The best results take a long time to come. The third reason why it is logical that God calls us to work without any consideration of results is because any man's work is never more than just a part of the whole. 
We work for the Lord Jesus Christ, and that means that our work is just one part over our work. The results come from the whole of all the parts that come together. We just have one part, as it says in 1 Corinthians 3.6. 1 Corinthians 3.6, I have planted one part. Apollos watered another part. God gave the increase. Paul and Apollos each had a part in the conversion of the Corinthian believers. Paul's part, plant the word of God in their hearts. Apollos' part, water the word of God in their hearts. Eventually, God causes the word of God to sprout and result in conversions. Paul could not claim credit for those conversions. He only planted. Apollos could not claim credit for those conversions. He only watered because God brought all the parts of planting and watering together to result in the conversion of the Corinthian believers. I've never heard a testimony of a Jewish person that did not happen because several parts played together. In my case, there was my housekeeper in Los Angeles who wrote me a letter when I was in college in Ohio and wrote in that letter, God is love. And I put those words up on my lamp in college. There was my Uncle Pete at a Seder who, just to irritate my aunt, blurted out, Christians believe Christ was the Passover lamb. That stuck. That was a part. There was my wife who lived a life before me of dedication to the Lord and prayed for me. That was a part. There was a couple from Landmark Baptist Church in Cincinnati who came to my apartment to give me the gospel. That was a part. There was Eve Rule, the first Jewish believer that I met, who told me her testimony. That was a part. And finally, there was Pastor Ray Hahn, who led me to the Lord in the sinner's prayer. That was a part. Not one of those six persons was responsible for me believing into the Lord Jesus Christ. None of them, because they each had a part that all came together as a whole to result in my conversion. These are the three reasons why it is logical for any man to be required by God to work without any consideration of the results. Because one, all a person has to do and be required to do is to be obedient. And he never called us to be his converters, just to be his witnesses. Two, the best results take a long time to come. And three, a person's work is never more than just a part of the whole. It's God who makes all the parts come together. Pastor Jim used to say to me, sow, sow, keep on sowing. God will make it grow without your knowing. Good words. So we've seen in, in the life work, seen in the life work of the Lord Jesus and how he was formed in the womb to bring the Jewish people back to God. We've seen how from the results, how he judged himself to be a total failure in his life work of Israel restoration. We've seen how this sense of failure greatly discouraged him to the point of saying that he has wasted his life, he's wasted his time, he shouldn't have come. And we've seen how he turned to two truths to pull himself out of this depressing discouragement. First, he said that his evaluation and the judgment of his work was not with him, but was with God. That led him to resist passing judgment on himself for the results. And second, he said that the importance was that he work without a consideration of the results. May God help us to walk in his footsteps, to not resent the abrasions in our life, but to work as a faithful servant of the Lord, committing both our work and our results to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our Lord and um, how human he was and how he suffered discouragement and yet rose out of it. Pray that you would help us to be like him in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.